It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the VaultQuest.com Mailbag Podcast, presented by our friends at Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products and organic remedies to a variety of ailments. That's Smoky Mountain Organics, four locations to serve you, three in Sevier County, and the one in Knoxville at on Kingston Pike, just down from Westtown Mall, across from Trader Joe's. And of course, you can shop online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. Glad to have you along with us on this Thursday installment of the podcast. we got lots of stuff to get to in these questions, so uh, let's jump right into the Mailbag Podcast. And the question out of the gate here uh, from Volgrad05, are we seeing a momentum shift with Tennessee football? It seems like the sheer number of Tennessee fans contributing to NIL could be the path back to competing for championships. There have been a lot more Tennessee fans number-wise. There have to be a lot more Tennessee fans number-wise uh, than fan bases from states that split their population like South Carolina, Auburn, and Ole Miss, where there's two major schools in those states. Um, is there a shift, you think, in Tennessee, Austin, and where things are right now? Yeah, but I don't think it's necessarily dependent on, you know, fans donating NIL. I think that's great. And I mean, again, you know, the more fans do that, the the bigger the the fund is to, you know, offer NIL opportunities. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, I think that it's just shifted because there's a little excitement around the program. You got a returning quarterback, you got a returning thousand yard receiver. Um, you know, they score an exciting, you know, they, they play an exciting brand of football. And, um, you know, when you land a big-time quarterback like Nico, it just kind of gives you an extra little bit of oomph, you know, in recruiting. And so they've done a much better job in the state this year. I mean, you know, if you think about it, I mean, they've got, you know, five commits right now in state at two a year ago. Um, I'm not sure how many more there'll be. I mean, potentially, you know, one, two more maybe. Um, but, I mean, it's a down year as well. So um, when, I, when I look at just kind of where this program was at a year ago at this time and where they're at right now, a year ago, Elijah Herring had just committed and, you know, they had little to no traction, period. And now it just feels like there's a totally different vibe. Well, you said it best. I mean, you, you, the attention getter is Nico. And then they've gone and got the guys in state that they highly covet. Yeah. I mean, that, that you know, whereas a year ago, the guys they highly coveted, they couldn't close with in state because they didn't have enough time. And there wasn't that national attention getting guy. And there just was no, everybody, everybody was, the, the, the feel around the program was dead because the investigation and, and the, you know, all that stuff going on. Yeah, guys leaving and everything else. Um, Duffield Vaughn Duffield wants to know what's the message UT wants recruits to hear right now? Seems like we got some momentum. Is that momentum sustainable? And is the message different for offensive versus defensive players? What What do you think the biggest message is right now that Tennessee has to recruit? Is, is there a theme? Is there a message? Or is it just strictly relationships, AP? I mean, it's relationships. I mean, uh, you know, to me, it's family. You know, hey, we're a big family here. And it, go, it branches out from our own families to our football families and, you know, you know, this place has always had the notion you just kind of feel like home, you know, I mean, it's, it's just big enough for the city, but just down to earth enough. Um, you know, it, it, it just resonates with people when they visit. And so, and the fan base is so passionate. So just kind of just the family atmosphere around Tennessee football. I think that's the biggest kind of message, you know, that Josh Heupel and company want to, uh, portray. Don't you think the messaging 
the messaging world kind of has shifted the last few years because kids are making so many trips to the same place that it, that it's not about putting on that. I mean, that initial deal is a show, but for, for guys who have been there multiple times, the, the messaging is different overall because if you're there on your third trip, you, you don't need the dog and pony show for lack of better word. Then, then you need for the, for the guy who's making the first trip. And because kids are making so many trips, don't you think it's become more about relationships and being comfortable than it was five, 10 years ago when guys weren't making this many trips? Um, yes. I mean, I think the, the comfort level is something that, you know, is more apparent now. Um, I mean, I think it was always about the family type feel. I mean, when Philip was recruiting back in the late nineties and early two thousands, I mean, you know, you talk to kids and, you know, certainly I got to a point where I started talking to kids in the early two thousands and it, it was about a family vibe then, you know, um, you know, but you're right. I think that, you know, kids don't want to take I me mean, like, look, man, Carnell take been here three times. You think he won't see the same academic tour again and again? Like, no, like that's, you know, I mean, that's not fun for kids. I mean, you know, you have to find different ways to um, connect. And the easiest way is just to spend time. I mean, you, you can play a game of pool or play a game of ping pong or play a game, you know, play a video game and connect with a kid over, you know, doing a campus tour again and again and again. So, like, I, I just, I go back to, you know, um, you know, just, just finding different ways and being creative. All right. What's the uh, latest on Bryson Sanders recruitment? So I was in Tennessee was in the top four or is Tennessee in good shape there? What do you think Bryson Sanders is now that he's announced a commitment date? That, that one honestly feels a little stale to me. I mean, it just doesn't mean like, you know, two months ago, I would have told you Tennessee's for sure the, the team to beat um, right now. I don't know. We'll see. I think he likes LSU a, a good bit. Um, I know what Steve Wilfong put out there, um, you know, but I don't know if he's a take at LSU. I think he's a take at LSU if he camps and he camps well. So does he go in there and camp and earn his spot, you know? Because um, I'm not sure, like, you know, I think that's part of the reason that we're, this thing's going until June is you know, he's got to go camp a few places, and LSU is one of those schools that wants him to camp. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but that's certainly what it feels like to me, and from a few people I've talked to, it certainly feels like it. Um, you know, that's the case. And so, um, yeah, I, I look at where Tennessee's at. They're still in it. They are, you know, they're also, you know, I mean, recruiting other offensive linemen. So, I mean, like, this is one of those deals where, like, if, if Tennessee doesn't get Bryson Sanders, if Tennessee, if Tennessee gets him, they'll gladly take him. If they don't get him, they'll just move on to the next. This isn't a doom and gloom type mess. Uh, LF all wants to know, it seems like most SEC teams had a competitive scrimmage to end spring, even Alabama, who seems reasonably well coached, had a good bit of ones versus ones. What do you make of the Tennessee staff not really having much of a scrimmage during the spring game replacement and even less with the ones versus ones? Was it just injury fear or just likely this year only? Uh, re remember this about spring, okay? I mean, spring games are, are generic and vanilla because they're all on TV. The, the biggest scrimmage of the spring is the one before the actual spring game. When you have a traditional year, traditional spring game, or traditional spring, and you have a traditional spring game, generally the scrimmage before is the big one. That's where there's a lot of ones versus ones. That's where it's because it's behind closed doors and all of those things. So, um, I, spring, I, spring games aren't real. Like, that's yeah. not real football. Like, yeah. that's like manufactured, like, hey, we're going to play vanilla defense. We're going to score a few points to get the fans excited because they get they came to watch us that day and, you know, and go from there. So um, you're exactly right. Uh, now, with that said, Tennessee's so depleted in the secondary. 
Like how much real work can they get in? Much like a year ago, they were so depleted at linebacker. Um, to me, you're working individuals. You're seeing what individuals compete like in 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 these scrimmages. But you know, I, I don't put a whole lot of stock in units per se, especially if they're going against another unit that's depleted. Yeah, spring games only get real when a defensive coordinator gets mad because the offensive coordinator did something he was not supposed to do. Um, and we've seen that happen a few times <laughs> through the years at Tennessee. Uh, Deshaun, 13, which Florida school do you see having the most success in football over the next few years? Austin, I think you and I agree up on this one. That's poised to be Miami right now because they seem to all be rowing in the right direction. Rowing in the right direction. They have um... – they have a buy-in from everybody from the top down. They're in a weaker conference, and it's easier to get back. I mean, it. You know, Florida. Florida. You know, even if you know they they turn the corner, um, that they still have to go through Georgia. Tennessee's obviously you know building. South Carolina is 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 building. You know, Kentucky is 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 you know no lay down anymore. You know, then you got your Western Division opponents. You play LSU every year. I mean, it, you know, you're originally eventually going to run around and play Auburn or or Alabama or AM. Arkansas continues to build under Pittman. Yeah, I mean, it's just easier. I mean, like you play Clemson, Florida State. You know, and you're not even in the same division as as one of those. So I mean, or maybe they are. I don't. Know. I don't pay a whole lot of attention to the ACC. Maybe maybe Clemson and Florida State, and Miami are all in the same division. Either way it's just a lot easier. Yeah, it's an easier path back for, for sure. And again, th their investment seems to be at a much different place than Florida State, uh, and their path is certainly easier than Florida, which is why Miami seems like the choice. Now, they got facility issues and some of those things that, that they've always dealt with, but Miami's always – there's a cool factor to Miami. There always has been if they can get, you know, and keep it sustained. They just haven't been able to do that uh, over the period of time. Uh, volunteered 87 wants to know, uh, I understand there's a lot of unknowns and you don't know Bama's roster up and down, but, uh, best guess at their record next season, if hooker was their starter all year, seems like going undefeated would be on the table, but maybe I'm too high on Hendon hooker short of a Tillman situation. Where would you feel? Where were, where we were filling that spot at the last minute. What was the biggest surprise you can remember on a signing day announcement? Not the best pool that was a toss-up going into signing day, but more of a wow, didn't see that one coming announcement. If if you take – if you swap quarterbacks at Alabama, where, I mean, where do you think that is? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think in those terms. I mean, I'm not trying to be I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I mean, basically they're wanting to say that Hendon Hooker is as good as Bryce Young. And I, you know, and I, I would put Bryce Young ahead of Hendon Hooker. Yes, um, just because, you know, he moves better. You know, um, he's smaller, but he's more fleet of foot. Um, they throw it similar. Um, you know, I like how, you know, Hendon doesn't put the ball in harm's way. Um, you know, they had three, the only three picks last year. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, what was the same question? Biggest signing day. Wow, didn't see that coming. Man, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I was shocked. And back in, I mean, it's just so it's fresh. I mean, I was shocked in December when, you know, when I got the text at seven o'clock in the morning that told me that Tennessee got the papers for, you know, um, for James Pierce. You know, I mean, I they were they were shooting for the moon. I was like, there's no way. 
you know, it just seemed like the, the people around, you know, not the family, but other people, like people at the school and stuff, wanted him to wait and at least, you know, give, you know, give a few other schools a shot. And Tennessee did a good job closing it out. Yeah. I mean, for me, I always go back to Robert Meacham. Obviously, he was a big time player, but I don't think anybody saw that when he got booed at his high school when he picked Tennessee. Everybody assumed he was going to Oklahoma. So that would be at the top of the list for me. The two kids from Stone Mountain that spurned Tennessee on signing day for LSU. LSU was a surprise. Um, and then you had the whole Julian Battle story where he signed two national letters. I think that's by far the most fascinating of the stories. Yes, by, by far. That, that Tennessee to, to date you and to date me, I was watching as you and Rick Roos as a, as a kid. I was watching. I guess I was graduating high school or, yeah, yeah, graduating high school. Um, watching you and Rick Russo on Channel 8, and that was the big story, which was a huge story, you know. It was crazy. I was I was at Western Avenue on 640 when I got the call that said that that one wasn't dead, even though he had been announced as a signee at NC State. Um, <clears throat> Big Orange, 1710. A few football questions here. On short yardage issues, any chance Tennessee goes under center moving forward? Doesn't sound like it to me, AP. Um, second question, D. Williams, did he have just an okay spring? Sounds like it. Is there potential there? Needs more reps in the system? Or maybe he's not uh, as talented as everybody hoped. Same question for Gerald Mincy. I don't know if it's as not as talented as everybody hoped. I mean, at the end of the day, he's a Juco kid. So, I mean, like, you know, you're hoping he can come in and play. Nobody was expecting him to be, you know, some lockdown corner. Um, my, for me, like, I just go back to William Martinez. Is a he, he he coaches a certain way. You know, he, he's he likes guys that he can trust that are, he knows where they're going to be. And you know, until you prove that you're one of those guys, you know, it's kind of hard to to climb into the rotation. So, uh, you know, I, I think right now De Desmond Williams is about trying to prove he knows everything, knows the defense, knows where to be, and isn't going to bust because you cannot bust in the secondary, or that's. Uh, six the other direction he had he had 15 practices and that's what he's had so we'll see where that ends up where he ends up going when we get through fall camp mincy seems like a guy at austin that got better as spring went on i know he had the ankle injury but there seems to be a little more confidence in him late in spring than there was middle part of spring yeah i mean if tennessee if tennessee had the perfect offensive tackle that went in the portal then i think they might at least entertain it but otherwise, I don't think they're entertained. I think they're, they feel comfortable enough with Gerald Mincy and J.J. Crawford. Uh, Brooks, 1972, of the Vols going through the draft next week, who do you see having the most productive career? Who might be the sleeper that might not be drafted that will be a summer camp surprise and make an opening day roster? Hmm. Most productive career? I'm going to go with – Valus Jones because he can play special teams and he's built a certain way to withstand hits and that type of thing. Mm. Who makes undrafted? I'll go Theo Jackson as an yeah. undrafted free agent. If if Theo can run the way he ran at, at, at the pro day, then I agree with you on Theo Jackson. I'm really anxious to see where Matthew Butler's long-term career is. There's a lot of buzz about him right now. Um, is he a guy who can be a Breo Franklin, you know, that type of guy who plays a whole bunch, you know, and is never a superstar, but gets a long, but gets a long career because of his durability. So we'll, we'll see there. Uh, Anthron, 
what recruits does Herring's commitment help with considering what he said in the interview that he had guys wanting to come with him? Christian Conner, playing the same seven on seven team. Okay. I mean, Christian, Christian's going to do something early July. So, okay. you know, Tennessee, Kentucky. Don't see anybody else really entering the picture. I mean, it, he may get more offers. He may get more offers. Right. That are, you know, as far as, like, the relationships he's already built in Lexington and in Knoxville, to me, are going to outweigh any potential new teams that come into the foray. Um, wants to know about JUCO players that Tennessee is going to see early this week. A little too early on all that. They'll see guys later in the week on some of those JUCO kids. Um, yeah, I think Elijah Davis is one um, down Mississippi. Um, uh, I think it's East Mississippi. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's it's kind of too early. Uh, best guess is that's not. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, they, no, most schools aren't a big fan of throwing out names before they go see them because, right. you know, don't want to draw too big of a roadmap out there for other teams to see. Yeah. Uh, he also has two more questions. Who are the best guesses at the top of the running back board? And when do the D-line recruits plan to start coming off the board? Um, well, I mean, the top two are, are Webb and Cobb. And then uh, after that, it's uh, Roderick Robinson. And, um, you know, hold on one second. I can tell you. <laughs> I'm going to look his name up here. I'm escaping me. Um, that being Caleb Jackson and, uh, you know, and then Deshaun Bishop's kind of that other, that, that fifth name that, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, you know, if he makes it back to campus before the end of the month then maybe, you know, things kind of get rekindled there. If not, then it just feels like that one's going in the other direction. Uh, D line's coming off the board summertime. I mean, I, I think June, I mean, you'll see some guys, you're seeing some guys now, but, I, I mean, like Rico, about... Walker, Rico Walker's not doing anything anytime soon. Vic Burley's not doing anything anytime soon. Um, you know, Trayvon Paul or Falk is not doing anything anytime soon. Um, uh, just keep going right down the list. Um, it just feel yeah, it doesn't feel like anybody's going June at the earliest, but I think probably past that. Gator hater Eric, will NIL ever pressure coaches to playing kids sooner than they want to play in order to try to avoid losing a piece of the puzzle? to the transfer portal. And speaking of the portal, which position do you guys think is the hardest to bring in and have an immediate impact with a team that could help you produce an extra win on the schedule? I think offensive line is the hardest place because of the intricacies. Everybody's offense is different. Terminology, how they block certain things are different. I think the offensive line, uh, to bring a guy in in the summertime, you know, to be a factor is a challenge. We'll see where the Steen kid is in terms of how he helps Alabama once he gets there. I think that's the hardest – for me, that's the hardest position to get there. In terms of NIL pressure, AP, I think that's always going to be a given. I'm not saying coaches are going to give into it, but I think that's just – that's a byproduct of the fact that kids are going to be, you know, making money. You just have to well, manage. there's always been pressure because kids are always getting paid under the table. And so um, maybe it's not the, the amounts now versus now, but they were still getting paid – um, at least some of them. And, um, you know, so there's always been a little bit of pressure, but, you know, I think coaches will fight that um, because they know they got to play the best guy. You know, I mean, like, let's say, you know, you've got, you know, a linebacker who's gotten a big NIL deal coming in, another linebacker who doesn't, but then one that doesn't it gives you the best chance to win. Like coaches are going to play the kid that gives you the best chance to win. Now if it's apples and apples. Brian will be the other guy. 
But if it's apples and oranges, I think it's always going to be the team that gives you the best chance to win. Um, next round of questions here. Trevor Duncan looks like a physical specimen, has the ability to grow into a dream offensive tackle. Do you think he starts on defense, or do they start him out on offense day one? I think we both agree he's going to be defense to start Trevor Duncan's career when he gets to Tennessee. We seem to be struggling with offensive tackle recruiting. Are we leading for any of our targets there? Lucas Simmons seems to be our best shot at that spot right now. Do you think that he does something quick if he makes it back to campus? Um. Yeah, I don't know if he – I think he's going to do something early July, late June, early July. He's going to visit – you know, again, um, before he does anything. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's, you know, very important to Tennessee. So is, you know, Rommel, um, Formby, um, you know, again, Bryson Sanders is 100% a take at Tennessee, you know. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, also another guy that's important to Tennessee. Um, you know, you know don't, I, I just don't, 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 I, I don't, I don't panic about the old lineman because very few of them can come in and play right away. And so, like, you know, I again, in a perfect world, you're landing the, the top flight tackle. That's what Tennessee's going to try to do with Francis Maui Goa. So I'm gonna, until the kid tells me how to pronounce his name, that's what I'm rolling with because it's Maui and Goa. So I'm Maui Goa. <laughs> um, and, and eventually I'll not butcher it. I'm sure I'm butchering it now. But uh, that's what they're going to do with him. Like They're going to take their swing there for a guy that, you know, has got some big-end talent, probably could start right away at guard and then work his way out to tackle um, over time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Tennessee's going to keep swinging for several offensive linemen. They've already got Aiden Bustle. And, I mean, like, you know, let's call a spade a spade here. Trevor Duncan's going to start a defense. I'll be shocked if he finishes a defense. I think he's an offensive tackle all the way, and I think he's a big-time offensive tackle all the way. Tennessee seems to be in a good shot, a good spot with Allen and uh, Tillander. Are either one of those close to making a decision? Uh, summertime. Uh, T. Lander and, and C.J. Allen are guys that I think come off the board sometime in June or July. Uh, Charlie Work wants to know, to me, the biggest issues for last year's team were linebacker safety and O-line depth. Do you expect those areas to be better this year? Are you surprised they haven't been able to land any help from those positions in the transfer portal to date? Um, I mean, again, like Tennessee couldn't really start looking at anybody until, you know, just here recently. I mean, I guess, you know, anybody that went to the portal in January that wasn't going to be making a move until, until May, you know, you could look at, but like there just hadn't really been anybody that you know, they could go get, you know, at, you know, at, at some of those positions. So um, Tennessee would love to have had the kid from Northwestern never had a shot at him because he already had his mind made up where he's going for he went in the portal. That's what happens a lot of times, you know, I mean, a lot of times these, you know, these schools have their current players, you know, Hey man, call your buddy. See if he wants to come here. Hey, we need some help. Okay. Goes in the portal. You know, it's already decided upon before he goes in the portal. And there's just a dog and pony show, you know, uh, you know, dance, you know, to, to make it look like it wasn't, you know, tampering. You may disagree with me. I think because it's second year in the system, they will be better uh, at linebacker if they can stay healthy. Willie Martinez. I think they're deeper right now. They're deeper right now than they were a year ago. Yeah. And, and and Willie Martinez seems pretty comfortable where he's at at safety. Um, we'll see how those guys play. They've got to play better, but it, it it's pretty clear where he's at with those two. The offensive line depth, I think, is going to be a concern because I think you've got some guys who have not shown that they can play that, that could come in and help you if you have injuries there. So um, that's where I am with those two. We got two more and we're out the gate here. 
Um, the Blackman Trio, we hear about Justin Brown on here, but not too much about the other two. Demetrius Bell just got offered by LSU. Ben Marshall has a few SEC offers. Has there been any dialogue at all with those guys at, at Blackman? Not really. And last question for you, um, specifically to you. A buddy of mine played with, Caleb, is it Surratt? Caleb Surratt? Caleb Surratt. Surratt, excuse me, and claims that he's one of the best golfers he's ever seen. He's on his way to UT. Have you ever seen him play? And would you agree with that assessment? Since he's a kid, I'm sure he doesn't compare to the pros, but as an amateur, where would you put him? He would walk in and instantly be Tennessee's best golfer right now. Both he and Josh Hill, both he and Josh Hill are big time golfers. And so that's a that's a that's a huge gap for for Brendan Webb. Um so yeah, uh, Caleb Surratt's a stud um out of Charlotte and uh you know is is gonna help this golf team immensely. A golf team that is currently, as we tape this on, you know, on Wednesday in last place at the SEC tournament. Now again, long play, long way to go to 54 holes. Um, you know, down there in, in, in Sea Island, but still, they've they've. I, I think that Coach Webb is anxiously awaiting the arrival of Caleb Surratt, Josh Hill, and everyone who signed, including Evan Woosley, uh, in that the most recent class for the golf team. Could you could, could they play with you? Is the question? Could they could could they hold they their own with you? Smoke me! I'm terrible. <laughs> no, you're not. Why, why you make up such things? Act like you're I, I'm an player. average golfer who loves golf. Those guys are studs. Yes, like, I know. Studs. Yeah, they're legit. Speaking of studs, Tennessee baseball team is on the road this weekend as well. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, have full coverage of Tennessee baseball coming up this weekend. Continue to cover Tennessee basketball as well. And Tennessee football, Tennessee football recruiting. All of that is on the General's Quarters and found at VolQuest.com. That's going to do it for this edition of the Mailbag Podcast, presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. Quest.